listening to the Young Baptist Podcast, a podcast committed to the centrality of the gospel and to encouraging believers to be captivated all over again by the beauty and glory of Christ. My name is Josh Johnson, and today I am with a special guest. He came all the way to Panama City from Indiana just to sit down and record this episode with me. The one and only Pastor Mike Bennett. What's up, Mike? Oh, nothing. Dude, I'm glad that you're on the show. Thank you for uh, for making the journey to sit down and record with me. Uh, Mike, let's just go ahead and jump right in here. Um, for those people who prob- who may not be familiar with you and your ministry, kind of just give a little background of you know who you are, where you came from, and how you ended up where you're at. Yeah, so um, presently I am a pastor in Greencastle, Indiana um, at the Harmony Baptist Church. And uh, it's kind of a backstory that led me there. Ultimately, I came out of Bible college and I was teaching in Florida. Did that for a couple of years and absolutely hated teaching. Yeah, I, I remember some of our conversations. You were not about it. Oh, man. I Yeah, I'm not a big fan of teaching kids. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I had to get out of that situation as quick as I could. So I went to Kansas, um, the middle of nowhere, and I pastored that church for about three and a half years. Um, I think a lot of what we're going to talk about is stemmed off of that ministry yeah. and some things that took place there. Uh, and then after that, I I got in a real unhealthy spot. And so I transitioned back to Indiana where I grew up. Those were probably uh, two of the worst months of my life, um, working through some things. And uh, I contacted Brian Sams in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, he said, come on down. There were guys already receiving um, some healing spiritually from wounds that they had in ministry. So I went to Jacksonville, Florida, um, was there for a couple years, got uh, feet under uh, us once again as a family. And then uh, we were sent out of River City Baptist Church to go to Harmony Baptist Church. And when did you end up going to Harmony? I don't know if you already said that. Yeah, so that was um, 2020. Okay. July of 2020. We so you just there. crossed over the two-year mark then. Right, yep. Cool, cool. Well, uh, I know a little bit of your the story in Kansas. We talked a few times while you were there. Things were not uh, fantastic necessarily. And that was really more of a a rural environment. And that's kind of what we want to dial in on today is uh, talking about ministry in a, a rural in, rural environment. I'm going to butcher that word this like entire episode. So just get ready for it. Talk about ministry in a rural environment. And then really you dealt with a lot of, of pastoral burnout and, and difficulty from that. So uh, let's just, let's just go for it, man. What would you say some of the advantages or, or the pros of doing ministry in a more rural environment would be? Yeah, there's um, several pros that come with being in a smaller environment. Um, one thing would be there is no difficult commute. That's true. Yeah, so I think in Kansas we had maybe one stoplight. No kidding. And that was it. Yeah, wow. so I mean like going to the church from my house, I maybe passed one car. Wow. That was it. So yeah, it was um, it was pretty nice. I so. got you beat though. I, that is true. <laughs> it takes me you 57 do. seconds. I've timed it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's definitely nice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, man, that's a blessing. Like even now in our context, it's, yeah, 
not not a real long yeah. drive. So that's a good thing. Um, yeah, another thing is in a rural environment, people seem to be a lot more helpful. So if uh, you have something broken in your house, like there's an army of people that's willing to help you. Um, I mean, you see every year farmers that need help, mm -hmm. other farmers jump on in and help them. So that kind of atmosphere, uh, a church thrives off of those things. So if there's a need in the church, people hop right in yeah. for the needs of people, the Good. community. So um, that, that type of unity is just kind of natural in a rural environment. Yeah. So that's a big plus. Um, another thing, and this is, this is a pro and a con sometimes, but you do cross paths with people often. Mm -hmm. So like you go to Walmart, uh, you may not need to visit people for the next few weeks, <laughs> right? Because you're going to see people you know, yeah. you're going to talk to people, you're going to make connections with people um, that you've seen in the community. So a lot more exposure to people. And um, yeah, that's that's a big plus in a rural environment. Yeah. Just, you know, being, being present in the community and people actually seeing that. Uh, another thing would be it's a relaxed environment, mm -hmm. right? So like our church, people stay for like an hour after service fellowshipping. Wow, yeah. Yeah, so like in the city, I know, um, especially like in Jacksonville and other churches, people got to get going, right? Mm -hmm. You got to do the next thing, and that's just kind of the atmosphere. But in a rural environment, it's slowed down a lot more. So fellowship uh, is a lot more intentional yeah. in rural churches, I think, um, smaller churches mm -hmm. uh, as well. So that's another blessing. Um, and then, man, I think this one's great. Reaching your area is more attainable. That's true. So like in Medicine Lodge, Kansas, I have 2,000 people, right? It's more attainable for me to reach out to 2,000 people than for, you know, some pastor to reach out to 200,000, mm -hmm. right? So um, seeing that and knowing we can make a difference in our community and we can see it. Yeah. Right. I mean, you if you go out as a church in a rural environment and you help clean the town or paint up a um, building that's you know, just, uh, down and nasty looking, um, you're probably going to get on the front page of the newspaper. Sure. Yeah. Right? So, uh, it, it's definitely, uh, a big pro that you can probably reach your area and that's more well, attainable. It makes it easier, I would say, to build up a, a positive reputation in the community. Right. If you're actually active and reaching out and helping people. Right. On a regular basis. Yep. Now, I would say that that probably also brings a con, though. And yes. I don't know if you have one of those li listed there, but oh, yeah, you do. Yeah. If yeah. you if you screw up in the community. Yeah. You're toast. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's how our church was in Kansas. Um, our church was started in 1886, I believe. Wow. Yeah. The I think the first Baptist church in New York City sent some dude to come and pioneer to Medicine Lodge, Kansas, start that church. And pretty much every church in some way is a split off of First Baptist Church. Really? So when you when people in the, in the community, which they stay there forever, right? Like the families stay there, kids stay there. They all know the story that the Baptist Church is yeah. has a bad reputation. So 
when you lose that name, it's real hard to get that back. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, that, that is a con of being in a rural environment. People know your church name (laughs) and they know what, what you've done and, um, yeah, years or even decades of Mm. history on you. Um, another con, uh, is that there's a lot of gossip and busybody, uh, going on in rural environments. Now that, that goes on in bigger churches too, right? But in a little tiny town, everybody knows everybody and knows everybody's business. Oh man. Yeah. I, uh, (laughs) I saw this quote It says, the nice thing about living in a small town is that when you don't know what you're doing, someone else does. (laughs) They do. Um, man, uh, my, my greatest form of entertainment is something called the Brazil chatter. I live in Brazil, Indiana Uh and like anything that anyone does is put on that page. Really? So we made, we made the big news, um, the other day in, uh, Terre Haute, they came out with, um, this news article that there's this guy in Brazil driving a moped. Uh, there were three police cars, I think, riding behind him in a back alley. He had meth hanging from his handlebars. And so, I mean, this <laughs> was, this was like, this was awesome. So this, this is like my pure enjoyment reading these things. Oh my and, goodness. Oh yeah. It, it's exciting. Um, every day something comes up. So, uh, yeah. Um, there was a guy, he, I think he uh, lost his paralytic leg and like, man, it was some of the comments that man. got reported. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, they said man. somebody lost their leg and then they said, well, look at the guy at the pool swimming in circles. Right. Oh, so I mean, like it was, goodness. it is cutthroat. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, gossip and busybody is definitely, wow. um, it, especially in the church, right? Because yeah. people are, in each other's business. Um, they don't have a lot of entertainment yeah. other than gossiping and busy mm-hmm. life. Right. Yeah. So uh, another thing would be change can take longer in a rural environment. I am from a rural environment. I don't like change. Uh, so you go into town, you see somebody painted something different in town. You immediately reject that change. Hmm. Right. You're like that man, that looks terrible. They should have just kept it the way it's always yeah. been. Why do they got to keep changing yeah. these things? And then you go into a church and it's going to be more difficult to change those things. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's more difficult, I think, in a rural environment to gain the trust of people. Um, and especially if you're not from around those parts, it's going to oh, take yeah. you longer. So, um, yeah, the the change factor, I think, is, and this comes from a small church environment too, I think, especially rural environment. Yeah. Um, the, the likelihood of growing a mega church is slim, <laughs> like 2000 population. You're probably not going to have a mega church. I think there's only like a handful of exceptions to that. Like, right. I know there's a church in Alabama. The city that that church is in is like 400 and the church is like 600 people strong. Right. Yep. But like that is super rare. Yeah. Super rare. Yep. Yeah. And yeah, I think I passed that city on the way and you probably I was did, like, yeah. I was like, that is that's one of the rare exceptions um, of that. Uh, so, yeah, the, your your potential of having a huge church is going to be very small. Um, and then the, I think we're going to dive into this maybe some more, but the last con, there's, there's a lot more we could list, but you potentially wear many hats in a rural church being a pastor, particularly of a small church. 
So you are the preacher, teacher, carpenter, plumber, <laughs> contractor, accountant, project planner, janitor, groundskeeper, worship leader, organizer. The list goes on. Secretary. Right? So, yeah. yeah, secretary. I mean, like uh, the children's church organizer, all that stuff. Yeah. So um, that that is a definite con because people are busy, right? And then you have to try to pick up the slack or mm -hmm. find people that can help. And uh, it can it can definitely be wearing. Would you say in a smaller church or even a rural environment, um, there's a higher expectation put upon the pastor to do stuff because he's the guy that's paid to do it, and like maybe a little bit more hesitance from people to actually plug in and volunteer? Yeah, I I think so. I think um, in a rural environment, there is still this mentality of of the pastor being everything to the church. Yeah. Right. So like my parents, um, they just got a new pastor, but it's the pastor's son. He's operating the same way as his dad did. But if they would have got another pastor from outside, mm -hmm. it, it would have been culture shock to them because they've seen like the, the guys from the seventies, right. Just yeah. coming in and, taking those hats. And so they, they sometimes have this mentality, we pay you to do this. So you get it done. Yeah. I, I think I read a church listing here recently. It says we expect a full-time pastor, right? And you have all these requirements and we're going to pay you like 500 a month. Yeah. Right? And yeah. it's like, how, how in the world can you justify that? Mm -hmm. Right. You, you want them to do all of these things, wear all of these hats. Yet, um, you, you say, here's this money, you do all the ministry. Yeah. And, um, we, we can definitely get into that some more here in a second of, um, how that contributes to the burnout of yeah. pastors. I can see like, even as you're just kind of talking about some of the cons, even with some of the pros, you know, with people being helpful and like you're, you're in the community more regularly because things are so small and it's easier to reach your area. Those are positive things, but if you're not setting up proper boundaries, those could contribute really to, if you will, an individual's demise and their, their burnout, especially as a pastor. Right. So, uh, let's talk a little bit about burnout and I'll say here on the front end, uh, I don't think that these things we're going to talk about are strictly isolated to those who are in small church or rural settings. Um, really, as you, I've kind of read through your list here. These, these things are true for people who are in big churches. Mm -hmm. They just may look a little bit different. Right. So, yeah. Um, uh, what would you say are some of the things because that's, that's, if you probably had to describe your situation, you would say you, you burned out. Yes. So what sure. would you say were some of the big, the big factors there? Yeah. One thing would be as a rural pastor, you take on so much that you fail to prioritize correctly. Yeah. Um, usually a rural ministry will have a pastor, as we said, who gets some sort of compensation. He's the only one that gets compensation. And then you have lay leadership mm -hmm. uh, that organizes the rest of the church. So you can feel like since you are the one who's being paid, this burden to produce and to do everything. 
um, like you have to earn your keep, right? Yeah. And it, if you look at church that way, really that's an unhealthy way to view how the church should function, right? The church should function as a body. Mm-hmm. Uh, each member should have a function and purpose within the body. And if you envision a body with just one of the body parts working and everything else is atrophied and died off, your body's not going to last for a long, right? right? It's going to die out quickly because it's being overworked. Mm -hmm. And so um, you do yourself and you do your church a disservice if you're the one who's doing everything. Um, And and I I do recognize you might be in a situation where you are kind of forced into this kind of situation, Mm -hmm. right? Revitalization work. Yeah. You might go to a church of 12 and they're all senior saints and they might may not have the physical capacity to do these yeah, things. Yeah, that's true. Right? And so what do you do there? Mm-hmm. Um, here's my challenge to you if you find yourself in something like that. Find those things in the church that doesn't line up with the purpose, that doesn't line up with the mission, and just start getting rid of some of those things, right? And start kind of cutting back on things that aren't furthering the gospel and aren't furthering the mission of your church. Uh, Busyness does not equal effectiveness. Mm. Sometimes busyness can be the detriment to our effectiveness as a church. That's true. Right. Um, So if you're a rural church and you have 30 people, you don't need all the ministries of a mega church. Well, I think that's critical right there Mm. because, and especially in the world we live in, you can see everything now. It, yeah. There there was a day, and I don't know about this because I'm too young, but there was a day where you didn't know what a church on the other side of the country was doing that was right. running 5,000 people. Today, you get on social media and you can see what these churches are doing, and it's easy to see that and think, that's what I got to do. Yeah. And you try and, like, take Medicine Lodge, for instance. I can't imagine how exhausting that that could yeah. have become, and I don't know if this is what you did or not, so I'm not trying to, you know, mm-hmm. inject anything into your story, but man, that had that would be exhausting to think, okay, we got 2,000 people. This church is running 2,000, so if I add these programs, that this will just suck them right in. Right. Well, that's, that's the wrong thought, press from the get, thought process from the get-go. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that, that was um, a big part of why I ended up burning out. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, because I thought if you do A and B like we were taught, Mm -hmm. right? And and so many special speakers would come up and they'd say, if you model this, not the book of Acts, right? Not the Bible, but you modeled this, then this is going to happen. And it didn't. And it only leads to frustration. Um, And so we have to understand big churches and big cities are awesome, right? Small churches and small cities are awesome. Yeah. They're doing kingdom work. Mm-hmm. Um, and man, if I could encourage you, there's a book entitled Church Small Church Essentials by Carl Vaders. And man, this, this guy could be a big help to you in understanding yeah. that just because you're small doesn't mean that um, you're insignificant, you're insignificant yeah. right? So, yeah, like simplify your processes, your procedures. <laughs> um, embrace the 30 that you have or the 12 you have or the 50. Um, embrace that and equip the saints. Mm-hmm. It's not your job to do all that stuff. The Bible says it's our job to equip the saints to do works of ministry. 
So focus on your God-given role and then equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Don't be adding things um, when you don't have the personnel. Yeah. Right? That's, that, that's counterproductive. Um, Carl Vader suggests before you start a new ministry, try to take out mm-hmm. a different ministry. Yeah. So take out before re- replacing ministries. Do you think that some of this happens, the, the pastor gets everything kind of put on him in smaller church settings, especially a new guy, like a new guy that's coming in because there aren't systems and procedures in place? Do you think that w- could be a contributing factor? Yeah, that, that could be for sure. Um, small churches, a lot of times, if you look at how they operate, you know, you look at their bylaws even and things like that. Um, yeah, it's... It, it it hasn't been updated, yeah. right? It's um it's a certain guy and how he functioned, and so he wrote it in his context what worked for him, and so yeah, I think um uh, they we need to take an honest look at those things mm-hmm. and ask is this fulfilling the mission? Is it fulfilling the gospel? And get back to this is about Christ, yeah. right? And I'd say I would imagine I should say that building procedures and strategies and stuff is going to put a little extra load on the the pastor. But if he's doing that to the end of equipping the saints at some point that will be alleviated. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Focus on that and focus on equipping. And then once you have the equipped saints, you'll have the procedures in place to get, get things going. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. Okay. So you kind of talk a little bit there about, the the pastoral side but a pastor is a person (laughs) yeah so like you know as far as taking on too much and 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 the failure to prioritize correctly how what does that do to an individual on like the personal level like the in, in your soul like how how would that have affected you yeah so if you take on too much as a pastor and you're wearing all these hats that we talked about um, it's very possible that you're you're going to neglect your walk with God for the sake of ministry. Uh, you'll neglect also reading books that'll challenge you and equip you as a leader because you're too busy and you don't have time to do that. Uh, when I think of tending my own soul, I think of it almost like maintaining a vehicle. Yeah. You know, every 3,000 miles or every few months, you got to go in, you got to get the oil changed. Mm-hmm. Um, if that little light pops on the check engine light, you probably need to check out and see what's going on with your vehicle. Yeah. Right. Before it gets worse, because if you don't take care of the problems when they're small, if you don't maintain the vehicle every 3000 miles, at some point it's going to demand your attention. You're going to have to stop everything and be like, why isn't this thing working? Yeah. Right. So it's better to just maintain it, to tend to it every day, right? Every month, whatever the context might be, instead of just letting it go to the wayside. So our souls are the same way. Every day we have to pull aside. We have to get into the word. We have to let the word get into us. We have to pray, pour our hearts out to God. And this is the most important thing. I think I could say that this is the most important thing Mm. that you as a pastor, you have to do. Yeah. You have to do it. 
So soul health is put, very important. Put your own oxygen mask on before putting somebody else's right. on. Yeah. 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 You you have to administer from the overflow and not not just from right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to hypocrisy, living hypocritically, making it up, um, actually being authentic and genuine. Um yeah, so that soul health, man, that that's big for a pastor in his personal life. Another thing would be your physical and your mental health. Now, I'm putting those two together. We could definitely separate those. Um, but I, I think as you neglect physical health, you are going to see that it's going to affect your um, mental health. Yeah. It's going to affect a lot of other things as well. Sure. So. Um, I think the two can go together. If you neglect your mental health, you're probably going to neglect your physical health, mm -hmm. right? And in Kansas, man, my my testimony, I got very overweight. I didn't really exercise a lot because, number one, I was too busy. Yeah. Like looking at the next blog and trying to figure out how I could grow my church in Medicine Lodge, Kansas. Yeah. And uh, either I was too busy or I was too tired. Mm -hmm. I was too exhausted. Um, and because of that season, like this last year, I've had a lot of health issues that have come up and I believe it's from what happened in Kansas. Wow. Um, I had my gallbladder removed. I lost like 60 pounds of weight in just a couple months time because I could barely eat anything. Mm. Ended up in the hospital, hospitalized for a few days. Um, I had an ulcer, still deal with an ulcer. Um, I have uh, irritable bowel syndrome. I mean, the list goes on, yeah. right? Of all of these issues that are coming to the surface because of what had been neglected mm. while I was in Kansas. Uh, and a, a big issue was I didn't know how to deal with stress. I didn't know how to deal with anxiety or worry or depression. And that contributed a lot to physical neglect as well. How much of that do you think is related to the, the idea that the pastor is the superhuman person and he doesn't get depressed and he doesn't deal with anxiety. And I think we're, right. I think we're getting into an, an age, if I can say it that way, where that's not considered normative anymore, but it yeah. feels like we, we've, we've come out of a time where it was like the pastor, he doesn't get depressed. His, you know, his mentals are square. Like how much right. of that do you think is a contributing factor? Oh yeah, it's it's huge um, because you there's a certain stigma about pastors and who they are supposed to be. You're supposed to be the example. You're supposed to be like perfect, and so you try to live that way in front of people, and that's very tiring. Live, living a double life in essence is what you're doing. Yes. So. Um, yeah, you, you have to try to separate the two lives and yeah, it's, um, it definitely wears on you. It's okay to be a person right. and be a pastor. Yes. <laughs> yes, for sure. Yeah. You're not Jesus. Yeah. So that's the, important. The sooner you realize that, and this is why I struggled in Indiana when I left Kansas the first time. I, I remember texting um, Brian Sams. And I told him, I said, I don't know why I am supposed to be alive now. Mm. Like literally I said that. And I said, what, what is my life about now? I'm not a pastor. Like I got the identity ripped from me. And when I lost that, I lost everything. Wow. And so I had to rebuild. And like, now if you, if you took 
pastor away from me, that position, that's okay. I'm a child of God. Yeah. Right. That that is what I live from. Yeah. Um, I just have the privilege of being a pastor. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that identity is real important. Absolutely. Sure. Um, so if you're struggling, let, let's say you're struggling with your physical health, maybe you are overweight. This does happen um in the ministry, especially. We we get so busy that we neglect it. I want to challenge you just to take some baby steps develop habits. It's not about like a complete overhaul in 30 days. If you do that, it's not going to last past 30 days mm-hmm. probably yeah. because you're going to be starving yeah. um, and tired and sore. Uh, man, just just stop drinking your calories. That's that's a big thing, right? Just um, stop that. Um, start work, walking twice a week, 20 minutes, um, 40 minutes a week. You could do that. Find a hobby that's physically active. Yeah. I mean, you like golf. I like fishing. Um, try to, uh, the problem in Kansas, my hobby was I like to cook and I like to eat. Mm-hmm. Right? That's a bad hobby to have <laughs> when you have depression yeah. and anxiety. So um, find a healthy hobby. And that's something I didn't have. That's something I was asked when I've candidated. Um, and I didn't have an answer. I said preaching was my hobby. That's a bad hobby to have if you're a pastor, okay? <laughs> because sometimes that that's the last thing you want to do. Yeah. So, um, man, find a healthy hobby. Find um, a, a way that you can release that stress. Yeah. And that's just practical. That's not um, super spiritual, but we we do need a rest, right? And that is that's a spiritual. That matter. is spiritual. Yeah. yeah it is. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then the the other thing is your family life. If you take on too much most likely you're going to neglect your family. Mm. Uh, Your family is your first line of ministry. Yeah, Uh, Your family is a part of your church. And so you shouldn't feel guilty spending time with your family. I know when I candidated for Harmony, um, I told them, if I spend time with my family, I will not feel guilty doing that. Mm. And that's just what I told them. Um, you are ministering to them as you spend time to, time with them. Mm-hmm. J- just as you would go into an elderly person's house and spend an hour with them, talking to them. If you spend an hour with your kids at the park, you know, and um, being with them, being present with them, investing in them, that's just as important yeah, as absolutely. the elderly visit, yeah. right? Uh, and when I was in Kansas, man, I was so tired. I was depressed, I was angry, and all that stuff unleashed on my family. They didn't get the best. They got the leftovers, yeah. right? And sometimes nothing at all. So your family has to be a priority to you. Um, I recently read this book called Sifted, uh, and I'd recommend this book. But it gave an interesting perspective. And I I had never really heard this before. Maybe you have. But often we hear that the way we prioritize our lives is the word joy. Jesus, mm-hmm. others, you, right? Yeah. And that's and how you like spell a whole, joy. There's a whole song about it or right. something. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, he, he put a different perspective. He said, first is God, then is you, then is your spouse, then is your children, work and church. I'm not sure how those went, but yeah. that, that type of thing. But I'd never heard of anyone putting yourself after God. But the more I think about it, I think that is important mm-hmm. because if you neglect your own soul, if you neglect your own physical and mental health, 
then how are you going to be able to effectively minister to others? Right. Well, I mean, even think about uh, what Christ said. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. It's Mm -hmm. implied you're going to to take care of yourself. Right. Yeah. So, um, that that's the failed priorities. Like you, you prioritize ministry over your own soul. And I'll tell you, if you will get your priorities right, you'll find that your preaching is even better, Hmm. that you are ministering more effectively. Um, it's not by reading those blogs at midnight in your discontented state. It is by, reading the word and getting to know Jesus and loving him. I mean, it's as simple as that. And if you'll do that, if you'll make Christ first, mm-hmm. right? And not ministry first, but Jesus first. Yeah. That that's the priority. And as you're as you're saying these things, we're talking about this. Yeah, we're obviously applying this to someone who is a pastor or doing ministry in a rural context, but this is true for anybody who's doing any sort of ministry at all and you don't have to be in vocational ministry. You can be a church member. You're yeah. you're doing ministry as a church member. This is true for anyone, applicable to everyone, I would say. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I heard it said this way. Jesus is not just another priority. He's the page you write the priorities on. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he is the whole page. Everything you do yeah. is for Christ. Absolutely. Yeah, so... Your priorities, they they definitely would have contributed then to burnout. And that, that's where I think most of us probably need to start, you know, myself included, is to look at how I prioritize things. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, I'd say that's the most important. What else would you say are some factors in, especially in the rural context that would have, that contributed to your, to your burnout? Yeah. Another thing would be in particular with rural settings is you are ministering in obscurity which can cause you to think that your ministry doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And uh, in Kansas, I had a lot of these thoughts. That what I was doing was insignificant, uh, that since I wasn't seeing this explosive growth in the metropolis of Medicine Lodge, <laughs> that I was some failure. Yeah. Um, I was discontent with the ministry God called me to. Uh, I was constantly dreaming outside of God's revealed will for my life at that point, looking for the bigger opportunities, better situations. And I had this myth, I believe, that, you know, the grass was greener on the other side. That, um, you know, ministry was just difficult where I was and it would be easier somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And that that is a huge myth that a lot of young guys believe and even older guys. The, the reality is ministry is going to be difficult no matter where you go. Sure. Um, each ministry is going to have its own challenges, mm-hmm. right? So God's will and his purpose for your life has to motivate you more than ministry success. Yeah. Knowing I am doing what God has called me to and letting that motivate you, right? That I'm serving Christ rather than I'm not seeing results. So I want to go down the street, go over to this state and this big city, and then I'll hit it big. Um, Man, if you're following Jesus's plan for your life, you are successful in God's eyes. Yeah, I mean, that's where it is. Um, So we, we have to realize that if we follow Jesus, that that's what we are called to, not the results, but to be faithful where we're placed. 
Um, I think of Philip in the Ethiopian eunuch, right? Mm-hmm. He There he is in this ministry that's just booming, great things happening that, that we would see numerically, but then he leaves for the one. Yeah. And that was just as significant. Oh, yeah. Right? This guy who received Christ and got saved. And so, yeah, this um, it's, it's important that we realize no matter where we are, it's significant. Yeah. Um, just because you don't have a huge attendance this Sunday and you haven't seen scores of people saved, uh, if you are doing what God has called you to do, you're significant in his eyes. Um, remember, it's not your church. It's Jesus's church. Yeah. Right. So you don't need to compare your church with others looking on social media, seeing how they're growing numerically and you're not. Um, man, he he has entrusted you with part of his bride. Mm-hmm. Don't be embarrassed about what God's called you to. Mm. It's not about how you appear to your peers. Um, it, it is how you are pleasing Christ. Yeah. And that, man, he's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. Uh, the guy down the street who runs more than us, he's not the standard. Yeah. Right? The, the guy across the country who's a dynamic speaker who has thousands come every week, He's not the one we're trying to live for. Mm-hmm. Jesus has called you where you are. You're his child. You are saved. You are loved. And man, if if he's called you to pastor, that is a huge responsibility, even if it's a couple people. So don't despise what God's called you yeah. to. Man, th- this is so much bigger than us building a big church. This is building the kingdom as a whole. Yeah. And uh, we have to view it in that way. We're we're we get to be a part. You, you're on the other side of salvation. You're saved. So praise God for that. Um, and let's let's just be faithful in mm. what God's called us to. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's obscurity, and it it can cause us to think that what we're doing doesn't matter. But uh, you are significant. Yeah. And. Uh, Man, the cross shows you that, if anything. Yeah. Always look to the cross. Absolutely. Um, the last thing that I have here that contributes to rule burnout, there's a lot of other things, but uh, the, the last thing I want to leave us with is you might have rule burnout if you are trying to pastor alone. You need friends in ministry. Uh, you need accountability. You need someone that you can call up that you can meet with and somebody you can be real with. Uh, And when I was in Kansas, I didn't have that. Mm. I didn't have people that I would call up that I felt like I could be real with. Uh, As I was thinking more about this um, podcast episode, I I don't know that it was people that I called, that it was their fault that I couldn't be real with them. Really, it was my own pride Mm. that uh, caused me not to talk to them. Yeah. When I went back to Indiana, I met with a couple men that I would call frequently and I just laid it out for them. You know, I, I told them I was depressed. I had burned out my own pastor. He uh, said, I want to have a meeting with you. And I thought, oh boy, I'm, you know, yeah. I'm in trouble now. I'm yeah. going to be told I'm a failure and you're quitting on God. But uh, he told me, he said, Michael, um, I know how you feel. I've been here. Uh, He said, I attended a pastor's conference on depression, and the guy stood up and said, I've never been depressed in my life before, and you should never be depressed. He said, that was the most 
pointless conference I'd ever been to. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the guy had just lost his, I think, six-year-old daughter to leukemia, you know? And Good the guy grief. deals with um, a lot of physical ailments. And he said, uh, the, the, the Lord's going to help you. And so had I maybe reached out to him and told him really what was going on, maybe, maybe I could have got help. Uh, another mentor of mine, I still meet with him frequently. He sat down with me and he said, um, find a place where you can find healing mm-hmm. and then get back at it again. Right. So, um, yeah, it, we, we have this stigma, especially, um, in some of the ranks that we've been in, right. That you have to be the perfect pastor, that you can't have any problems, that you can't have sin. Uh, and if you do just fake it till you make it. Yeah. Uh, but man, we, we need to get real and we need to find people we can be real with. Sure. I think you'd be shocked to know that people um, identify with a lot of the things you struggle with as well as a pastor. So find somebody um, that you can be real with. Uh, Brian Sams, one of the first things he asked me was, Mike, how is your soul? Mm. I'd never heard that before. Yeah, <laughs> I, I wanted to say it as well, right? Because of the song. <laughs> but uh, really, I, I was taken back. I was like, I... I don't know. I haven't even really considered that. Yeah. But that's that's what we need is that thought-provoking. Um, how are you doing spiritually? Um, I have a guy that I talk to that that will just point blank say, Mike, you're you you are way off in your thinking. Mm. Or he'll say, You sound really confused. Is um confusion of the Lord. Right? Yeah. Um, and he'll just point out things. And that's that's the kind of people you need. Not just yes men, but uh, people that will keep you accountable. Absolutely. Uh, so don't pastor alone. That That's a big one. Yeah. That, uh, it's been great, Mike. Um, so let's say, let's say somebody's listening right now and that's, they're just like everything you said. They're like, oh, yep. Been there, done that. I identify with that. Th- this is... This is hitting all the the bullet points, you know, there. Everything you said is is like, oh man, yeah, that's already a red flag in my life. And, you know, I've I've been thinking about it, but man, this is kind of slapping me in the face kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. it's really bringing it back to the front of my mind. And there may be kind of putting some identifiers on it. Okay, maybe I'm actually in the, this place of burnout. What would you say to that person? If, if, if someone came to you, let's, let's paint it this way. If someone came to you and was like, Hey, I need to, I need to have coffee with you. And you sat down across the table with somebody and you're like, dude, they're like, dude, I'm a pastor, but it's been hard. I think I'm getting close to burnout. They, they just lay it out for you. Some of these exact same things you said, what, what would you, what would you say to them? For sure. I would encourage them first of all, by saying, you being willing to admit that is a huge first step. Mm-hmm. Um, if you find yourself in this situation, you need to reach out. You need to talk to somebody. You need to be vulnerable. You need to humble yourself. You are not God. You're not Jesus. You're not meant to be perfect. We are flawed people serving a perfect creator. So we we have to reach out. We have to talk. Um, uh, get get help from a pastor. Get help from somebody who is spiritual. Uh, if you're having suicidal thoughts, you need to get professional help. Mm-hmm. Right? Don't yeah. don't mess around with that. Don't say, "Well, they're going to think this about me and that." 
Who cares what they think? Yeah. Think about your family. Think about your church. Think about the Lord. Think about right your mission. And uh, man, I I deal I dealt with this. Um, and so being willing to admit that and get the help, that's that's so crucial. Uh, and if if you say I don't know who I could talk to. Um, I know Josh would be willing to mm-hmm. talk to you. I know I would. I know Clay would even. Um, man, there's a lot of guys who'd be willing to talk to you and not judge you in the process. So reach out to someone. Another thing is start a mood journal. Now, this doesn't sound very manly. Nope. Right? Nope. <laughs> I, 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 are we about to like start singing Kumbaya? Here, yeah. Mike, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, but honestly, this was really helpful to me. Uh, every day, what I would do is I would record how I was feeling. So there's this app. It's called Lifecraft, and you can look it up on the um, iTunes Store. I I don't know um, App Store. I guess what it would be yeah. App Store. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the uh, Google Play or whatever it is. I don't know if they have it on that. Um, but pretty much all you do is you pick an emotion that you're feeling that day, and then you write down the reason why. What I found was this. After like a week of picking that I was depressed mm-hmm. and worried, I was like, I'm tired of feeling this way, man. I'm tired <laughs> yeah. of picking that. And uh, I don't want to say I lied to myself, but I was like, no, nah, I'm done. I- I'm not picking that one. I- I'm picking that I am joyful. Yeah. And then I put down a reason why. And I'm telling you, man, like things started to turn around in my mind. Every day I'd record, I'd say, nope, I'm not picking that. I'm picking this. And like I... I turned my mind around um, because of that. And so just just start really thinking about what what am I feeling? Like yeah. reveal that. Don't don't push that to the side. Your emotions are real. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you you have to realize that God created you in that way. Yeah. Whether you're dichotomous, trichotomous, right? If you believe body, soul, spirit, or body, soul and spirit are together, the fact is you have that spiritual side of you. Yes. And so you have to tend to that. You have to consider that. Um, I also recommend reading chapter number eight in the book, Gospel Fluency. There's this exercise that's called Fruit to Root. And you've read this book, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, man, this was helpful. If you will, you can look up the worksheet. You can look that up for free. Um, if you do this exercise, it's going to help you extremely. So uh, that that's another thing I would challenge you with. Um, number three, fast and pray. Now, while I was in Jacksonville, this, I would say, out of everything, probably brought the most healing to me. Uh, I can't explain it, but one day I, I was fasting and praying. I was trying to do that once or twice a week. And one week, like, it, it was like the chains fell. Mm. And... I got victory. Yeah. I, I didn't have that heaviness about me anymore. And I've had doctors ask me, um, what happened? You know, why, why aren't you depressed anymore? I said, well, God healed me. Yeah. They said, well, you changed your mind on things. I said, no, God healed me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like he, he literally is the one who brought healing to me. Um, and so I, I'm serious when I say this fast and pray. I learned to talk to God. I learned to listen to his voice. I, would spend pretty much my whole day praying, right? I was a janitor. I was by myself. I'd spend sometimes four to six hours a day praying. Yeah. Felt like a monk almost. But 
man, it, it was exactly what I needed. So pour your heart out to God. Um, you, you say, well, I have all these other things to do. No, focus on that first, right? Everything else, the, you, you got to prioritize. So, I think it was Martin Luther. He said, I, I'm, I was, I'm too yeah. busy to not spend like four hours in prayer right, or, day or yeah. something like that. Exactly. Yeah. You have to begin your day. You have to continue your day. Mm-hmm. And if you can learn how to communicate with God, man, that's, that's a real encouraging oh, thing. Yeah. Um, and then... This may have been the biggest takeaway I had when I was with um, River City Baptist Church was that you should read books, like devour books. Um, Read books that are relevant to what you're struggling with. Uh, I would challenge you, put down the church growth books, put down (laughs) the blogs that are talking about why your church is failing. Stop listening to those podcasts that tell you how to improve the effectiveness of your church. Your church needs you to be a healthy pastor first and foremost. Um, Robert Murray McShane said this famous quote, a holy minister is an awful weapon in the hand of God. Um, More ministries, better facilities, better assimilation is not a substitute for a pastor who is yielded to the Lord. It goes back to the priorities, right? So prioritize that. Read books. Um, the cliche is right. Readers are leaders. Leaders are readers. Yep. Um, and if you're not reading books, if I ask you on the spot, what book are you reading? And you can't answer that. Um, man, pick something up, start reading something. Uh, you say, well, where do I start? Well, I have a list for you here. Okay. Um, the first <laughs> one, the book of Psalms. Like I'm not trying to be wow. super spiritual. Way to start easy on us, Mike. <laughs> but <laughs> The book of Psalms, like this, this along with the fasting and prayer brought healing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, just start reading through the book of Psalms, but the book of Habakkuk, man, study that out yeah, and see how much you identify with that guy. Well, and the cool thing about the book of Psalms, I actually just finished a book on this recently. Uh, you can pray those. Right. Yeah. Like that's, that's a great resource for your prayer life as well. True. So, yeah, no, that's great. Um, so before I recommend any other books from earthly authors, I just want to recommend the Bible first yeah. and foremost. That's, <laughs> that's the most important thing. Like if you don't pick up any of these other books, get in the Word first. Um, here's, here's a great book. You recommended this to me and while I was in Kansas, and I should have picked it up. Did I? You did. Really? Dangerous Calling by Paul Tripp. I don't remember that. You told me to. And uh, when I got to Jacksonville, somebody else recommended it. And I was like, I, I've got to read this. And this book, um, man, it like. It'll wreck your face Oh, off. yeah. Like it, um, it brought a lot of healing, mm-hmm. a lot of healing. So if you are struggling with this, read Dangerous Calling. Yeah. Um, do it. I, I don't know how much it costs, but do it. Yeah. If you're struggling with cost, I'll, I'll try the best I can to make sure yeah. you can read it because it, it's that, that, um, relevant. Yeah. I would hundred percent echo that. Right. That yeah. is, you need that. You need to read that book. Of all the ministry books I've ever read, that is the best ministry book I've ever read. Yeah. Yeah. So um, get that book, read it. Like to, to today. be fair, that's not much coming from a 30 year old, but <laughs> <laughs> I've heard yeah. older pastors say yeah. the same thing. Um, but yeah, read, get that today, 
read it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you, you won't be, you won't be, um, uh, you won't regret it. You won't, you won't regret, regret it. it. <laughs> right. Get that book today. You won't regret it. Um, another book by Paul Tripp. I, I have a couple here. The book Awe. Yep. That's a good one that, too. Man, that if, if your walk with Christ, if your view of Christ has just kind of gone stagnant, read this book, get in awe of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And man, when you refocus on him, it's going to transform the way you minister. Uh, another book, Lead by Paul Tripp. That's this a good is going to be kind of um, taking those those principles from Dangerous Calling, but in the context where you can go through it with even lay leaders. Yep. It's, um, yeah, it's a very, very helpful book in that way. Uh, Gordon McDonald, Ordering Your Private World. This is a very good book. If uh, you're struggling with um, the everyday life of a pastor, get this book. Uh, it's it's an older book, I believe, but um, it, yeah, it's, it's an awesome book. Pastor and Prayer by Ian Bounds. Get that book. That's real challenging. Uh, the Imperfect Pastor, Zach S. Wine. I, I just started that book. I'm yeah. just starting that one, yeah. Yeah, and that that's uh, kind of the same vein as Dangerous Calling, but um, from a different perspective. So that's a good book. Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire, Jim Cimbala. Man, your prayer life, read that. That'll fire you up to pray. Uh, the Emotionally Healthy Leader by uh, Peter Scazzaro. Um, that's a great book. And then 10 Things Every Minister Needs to Know. Get that book as well by Ronnie Floyd. Uh, man, that's an awesome book. So these books right here, they revealed a lot in my soul. They helped bring healing. They helped ignite a passion for Jesus and to help help bring me out of kind of the mess I was in. Yeah. So, um, and I put this plug out here too. If you um, have not got connected to Hoopla through a public library, do that. Um, hoopla, H O O P L A. Uh, it, man, you get free books. I know for me, I get 21 downloads a month. Really? And, uh, like audio, I can, man, yeah, I, I listen to books. I'm a janitor right now, uh, and soon to be a hospice chaplain. So I'll do a lot of driving and I'm just going to listen to audio books. Hmm. So yeah, that's that's a good way to devour books, and you don't have to pay anything. I'm I did not know about this. So oh I'm yeah, hoopla! That, that yeah. is, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Sounds so like it. yeah, find a library. If it's a hundred dollars a year, pay it. It's mm. worth it yeah. because you're gonna blow through. books. You're not that way. gonna buy twenty one books <laughs> yeah. for a hundred dollars. Yeah, your Audible subscription isn't gonna last. No, <laughs> isn't no. Gonna even compared to that. No. Um. So yeah, uh, hoopla. Awesome. That's helpful as well. Mike, this has been great. Uh, I appreciate you just taking the time to to be here on the show. And I, I really think it'll be an encouragement to people. You got any any uh, last words, final thoughts you'd like to share? No, just if you um, find yourself in a rural setting, if you find yourself burnout, if you find yourself wondering um, if you're going to last another week, uh, know that you are in good company. Know that there's a lot of pastors just like you and find steps to take in order to get your health back. Yeah. And, uh, man, if you'll do that, if you'll find contentment in Christ, then you can make a kingdom impact even in a small rural setting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good stuff. Well, hey, uh, 
thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. We really appreciate it. But before we go, would you mind, Mike, just kind of closing us in prayer, praying for those who may listen sure. to this episode. Lord, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for uh, your calling on our lives. We thank you that we know that no matter what ministry context we find ourselves in, that um, you are in it, that you have called us. And Lord, it's not insignificant, um, even if one person is reached. Lord, and we've been faithful to do what you've called us to, even, even if none are reached, Lord, and we've been faithful to do what you've called us to. Um, what, what a privilege and honor it is to serve the King of Kings. So, Lord, I pray that you'd renew our hearts and our vision. And, Lord, be with those that are brokenhearted and that you would just work in their lives and heal them, Lord. Help them as they take steps to uh, be brought back to where you desire them to be. Use the brokenness in their life. And I pray that you do all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Young Baptist Podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, we'd love to hear from you. You can connect with us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Young Baptist Pod. Also, be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating and review wherever you consume the content. Be sure to check out our website, theyoungbaptistpodcast.com, for more resource recommendations and to join our YBP community.